The Holy Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Soon after healing the centurion's slave, Jesus went to a city called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went with him. As he approached the gate of the town, a man who had died was being carried out. He was his mother's only son, and she was a widow. And with her was a large crowd from the town. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion for her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came forward and touched the bier, and the bearers stood still, and he said, Young man, I say to you, rise. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized all of them, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has looked favorably on his people. This word about him spread throughout Judea and all the surrounding country. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I once heard someone say upon arriving to a meeting just exactly on time that she had been running late, but had found a parking spot right out front. And she said she thanked God for saving that parking spot for her. Someone asked her how she knew that the parking spot was a gift from God. And she replied, quite a matter-of-factly, that she had been praying for a good parking spot. And there it was. Right. So why, we might ask, is God not curing cancer and saving children from all manner of suffering and doing away with hunger and Zika and Lyme's disease? Because God is quite tied up being a parking attendant for prayerful drivers? Come on. God must have better priorities than that. And besides... Isn't it a bit naive to think of God as one who manipulates the outcomes of our daily lives? And yet, in biblical times, God did intervene in concrete ways. We just read about a jar of grain that did not empty until the drought was over. And we read about the conversion of the biggest persecutor of Christians becoming the biggest teacher of Christians. And we read this story of the man coming back to life. If you've read more than a couple of gospel stories in your life, this scene is familiar to you. Jesus comes across someone who is crippled or paralyzed or blind, or, as in today's gospel, dead. Jesus is moved. He has an emotional response. And he chooses to heal the person. The stumbling block, of course, is that he didn't and still doesn't heal everyone. Which begs the question of what exactly we are supposed to do 
With this kind of story in a world where most of us have not been miraculously healed, most of us have not seen a deceased loved one come back to life. I won't even get into the traffic situations I've been in that could have used a little divine intervention. In all seriousness, I do not believe that God moves cars around like a child with a bunch of matchbox cars. But I do believe that Jesus shows up with compassion when we invite him into our lives, into our suffering, into our joy, into our rector transitions. In other words, when we go deeper with him. This past week, I was at a conference where the keynote speaker was the Reverend Martin Smith. Martin spoke to us of society's obsession with all things surface and our great need for a spiritual deepening personally and communally. We need to move past myths like the one of God finding us parking places and maybe even past expectations of God miraculously healing us physically in our health crises. And we need to look deeper at what God is wanting to do with us, in us. So let's look deeper at Jesus' healing stories, deeper than our knee-jerk reaction of why. Why the widow's son and not our children? Why the centurion slave and not those in our households? Why the blind man and not me or you? I have found that the best way to go deeper into Jesus' ways is to invite Jesus to be with us. Might seem obvious. So I'm going to ask you to do something a little vulnerable. It will require you to be open. It's a guided meditation, and the 8 o'clock people survived. Although one person did tell me I should not do that at 8 o'clock because it's way too easy to go back to sleep. This will require your imagination. It might require some courage. If it feels like too much at any point, you're welcome to walk away or just drift off someplace else in your mind. So take a deep breath and get as comfortable as you can get in these pews and close your eyes. Breathe. And let your breath ground you in the safe and supportive place of this church. And now imagine that you are the only person in this room. Imagine that any noise you hear is simply drifting in from the outside. Now Jesus enters the room. He sees where you are, and he joins you. You can hear his breath. You can feel his warmth. Without either of you speaking a word, you know he is here because of a deep love that he has for you. Because of his yearning for you. What is it that he yearns for? 
Ask him. Listen to how he answers you. Consider Jesus' yearning for you. It is real and present. It is more real than any of the words I am speaking right now. Feel the reality of Christ's yearning and settle into it. Settle into the undivided attention he is offering you. What in you needs Jesus' attention? What needs to be healed? What in you is dying or has died? Do you need it to be brought back to life? Or do you need it to be given a proper burial? As Jesus sits there, full of compassion for you, speak your needs to him in the silence of your heart. Notice his emotional response towards you. Now, take his hand or let him put his arm around your shoulder and give him a tour of your life as it is right now. Pull up a chair at the table of all your thoughts and hopes and dreams and invite him to sit. Get him a glass of water. And then come back to your pew when you are ready knowing that he will stay where he is. When you are ready, open your eyes. On the surface, Christ's yearning for you might not look like much. His passionate presence with you might not be visible on the outside of your life. But in your heart of hearts, Your awareness of him and his love just might make all the difference in the world. I don't know about you, but once I bring Christ's longing for me to the front of my consciousness, I myself am overcome by a longing for him. And this has very little to do with being a priest. Long before priesthood knocked on my door, I found myself one day praying with a thousand people at the Teze Monastery of at the Monastery of Teze in France. A large wooden icon of Christ crucified had been laid on the floor, and I approached it, and I knelt down, and I put my forehead on Jesus' feet. And in that moment I was overwhelmed by Jesus' love for me. The thousand other people in the room faded into the background. I didn't want to leave. I just wanted to stay there, adoring Christ with my tears. It was the first time that I had experienced the love affair that I had heard others speak of in their relationship with Jesus. 
It's the kind of love that transcends all the ways that people with agendas have misquoted and misused Jesus. As Jesus sits at the table of your thoughts and hopes and dreams right now, enjoying a glass of the living waters of your life, he sits there not in judgment, but with the emotional tenderness of your most intimate companion. Many healing stories in the gospel either state or imply Jesus' emotional response to the one who's about to be healed. And so, when we look deeper, it's not the physical outcomes of Jesus' healing love that matter. It's rather the love itself, always present, not always visible. And that is why we come together and we adore him. We worship him. We sing hymns of praise gathered as loves of his light, serenading the one who we adore. We come to the altar and we invite him into the bread and wine. We might take him into our bodies into our lives, over and over again. May we hear every story of Christ's healing emotional response to anyone as part of his own love story with each of us. May Jesus be made so at home in our hearts that his healing love can get under the skin of all the world and bring us all back to the intimacy with God that we were created to partake of. And may we know with each breath that we take that we are the very fulfillment of God's deepest desires. Amen.